the word right there. Hallelujah. Well, let's jump in. Y'all ready? Let's do it. We've been talking about manifestations of the Spirit, or what we call gifts of the Spirit, right? What we've always called the gifts of the Spirit. And so let's just go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12 again. First Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll read it while you follow along. I'm going to read it in the Young's Literal again, but it's very similar probably to what you have. It says, and concerning the spiritual, what? Things. Concerning spiritual things, brethren, I do not wish you to be ignorant. You have known that ye were nations unto the dumb idols, as ye were led, being carried away. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no one in the Spirit of God speaking, so speaking through the Spirit, no one that speaks through the Spirit saith, Jesus is anathema, which is corrupt or whatever, yeah, cursed. And no one is able to say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. All right, so I'm going to stop right there. Remember, we've been driving home the, um, the idea of test, 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 right? Test every spirit. And so if anybody gives you a thus saith the Lord word, they come up to you and say, I've got a word for you, so and so and so and so, thus saith the Lord, you know? Put that to the test. Test it out. Keep your finger right there in 1 Corinthians. Let's flip over to 1 John. We'll come back to 1 Corinthians real quick in a minute. But turn to 1 John 4.1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. So, even the scripture tells us, test, test, test. Because not everything is uh, speaking by the spirit of God. And so, if you'll look in 1 Corinthians, in 1 John, both of those talk about speaking in or by the spirit of God. Now, that tells me that there must be other spirits besides the Spirit of God. Amen? So, do you know why you need to stay away from palm readers and, like, psychic readers? You ever been driving down the road and seen one of those flashy signs that says um, psychic reader or whatever? Or playing with things like tarot cards or crystal balls, you know, or Ouija boards? Um, having your fortune told. you got to stay away from that stuff. And it's not just because Grandma said so, or it's not just because, you know, ooh, that's creepy or whatever. A lot of people do those things, and they say, oh, that's just for fun. It's just funny. We just didn't have anything to do, so we went to a fortune teller. Ha ha, isn't that funny? I don't really believe it. You ever heard anybody say that? Or, Or maybe you've done that. And, you know, a lot of those places you go are fakes. 
They're like scam artists. They're just ripping you off. They're taking your money. Um, But some of them do operate under the influence of a spirit. And it's a spirit of witchcraft. And they'll give you some accurate information. Like they'll, they'll tell you something that actually is true in your life. And then you're like wowed, you know, and you're sucked in. Because those spirits that they serve operate in the spirit realm just like angels, just like the spirit of God. They operate in the spiritual realm, so they see spiritual things about you, and they can say something about you to get your attention that might be true. But listen, that ain't God. That's not God. And so don't open that door. Don't, don't, don't listen to those kind of spirits, and don't open the door to those kinds of spirits. That's not the Spirit of God. Okay? So test everything, and don't open the door to wrong spirits. All right? Every word given to you by the Holy Spirit is the word that you want to listen to. The Holy Spirit. So what's the test? How, you, how do you know? Somebody comes up and says, I got a word for you, thus saith the Lord. You're supposed to put it to a test. How are you supposed to test it? Does it line up with the Word of God? It's not going to be a word from the Holy Spirit that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Okay? Does it exalt Jesus? And does it benefit the body or a member of the body? So does it benefit you? Does it exalt Jesus? Does this line up with the Word? Okay? And then even if it doesn't resonate with you immediately, just put it away and come back to it later. The, the Lord will, will bring it to your remembrance at the proper time. All right? But the point is to learn to know the voice of God. The Holy Spirit speaking on the inside of you is the voice of God. That is God's voice to you. Learn to know God's voice. Let's say it again. Learn to know God's voice. All right? Let's look at, keep your finger still in 1 Corinthians. We're going to come back there, I promise. But let's go to John 10, John chapter 10, verse 1. John 10, verse 1 says, I tell you the truth. Well, that's a good thing to know that Jesus is telling us the truth. Amen? I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, what? Recognize his voice. And they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And they will not follow a stranger. They will run from a stranger because they 
don't know his voice. He, they'll run from a stranger. So if it's a voice you don't know, you better run. Right? So the, learn to recognize God's voice. If you don't know anything else after you leave tonight, go home and say, i got to learn to recognize God's voice. All right? How did the sheep get to know God's voice? How did the sheep get to know the shepherd's voice? They spent time with him. They listened to him. They listened to his voice. They listened to him talk. They listened to him speak to them. They spent time with him. That's how. Okay? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and keep going. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, And there are diversities of gifts in the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministrations or ministries and the same Spirit, the same Lord. And there are diversities of workings, and it's the same God who is working the all in all. And to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for profit. For to one, through the Spirit, has been given a word of wisdom, and to another, a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, that's where we were last week, right? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And we talked about that last week. A word, it says a word, a fragment, a portion, a piece that you need to know in a particular moment. For both of those, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. All right? Verse 9, it says, And to another, faith in the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healings in the same spirit. All right, let's stop right there. So we're going to focus on verse 9 tonight. Faith and gifts of healings. Now, a lot of times we look at somebody we know or somebody we admire, and, and we think they're super spiritual, right? And we, we might say, man, God's really given them a lot of faith. They sure do have big faith, right? They, they may have like this way about them that seems super confident, like they know what they believe, or... They seem to have no fear when it comes to believing God for something or stepping out in faith, you know. And they think that God has given that person some special gift of faith that makes them more faithful than than themselves. People think that. But don't you remember that the Word says that every believer is given the same measure of faith? Isn't that what it says? Every believer is given the same measure of faith. But our faith can be developed. All right? It can grow. Not in the amount of faith that you have, but in the strength and the effectiveness of what you have already. That's how your faith grows. When someone says they have a lot of faith, they have the same measure of faith that you have, but they've developed it into a way that it is strong and it's effective, all right? It's kind of like muscles. Hamp and I were born with the same number of muscles. We all have muscles in our arms and legs and, you know, torso and neck and 
hands, and we all have the same measure of muscles, but Hamp's is more developed than mine, right? And so we develop our faith differently. People are developed differently. And so this type of faith is just what we call general faith, common faith. That's just common faith. That's the same faith. Miriam has the same measure of faith that I have. That's just common faith. Everyone gets a piece of it. All right? It comes when you get saved. You receive that measure of faith. But there is a faith that's beyond common faith. I'm going to say it again. There's a faith that is beyond just our general common faith. And it comes by the will of God. So I'm going to invite Austin to come up now. Austin is going to tell us a little bit more tonight. We have a guest teacher about this gift of faith. How y'all doing? (laughs) So the gift of faith. Where's my Bible? Kind of need that. Might be good to preach out of a Bible, maybe. Let's get this situated. So the gift of faith. Talking about the gift of faith. First of all, who was here a few weeks ago when I spoke um, on faith? Who was here? Was anyone here? A couple of people were here? Okay. So I did, uh, I did a little bit of teaching about faith uh, that night, and we pretty much established that Faith at its core, at its most basic, is just what you believe. That's what faith is. It's just what you believe. Now, that's the kind of faith that every person is given. It's the kind of faith that you need to accept salvation. It's the kind of faith that you build by hearing the word. That's regular faith. That's just your your everyday faith that you just passively have inside of you. Now, we're talking about the gift of faith, right? And I actually want to go back to verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I kind of want to spend a couple minutes on that. It says, now concerning, most Bibles, even the King James, say now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. But like we've said before, the word gifts is not actually there. See, the translators put that word gifts right there. So it really should say, now concerning spiritual. Or, as the Young's literal says it, now concerning spiritual things. So when you read 1 Corinthians 12, and even on to 13 and 14, what it's talking about is just spiritual things. So all these gifts, all these, all these endowments here, these are all just just spiritual things is what it's talking about here. We just um, separate them for the purpose of definition and explanation. So that's why we separate them all. But they're all just spiritual things. Uh, have you ever had Jello? Who's, who here has ever had Jello before? Jello's pretty good. It's a fun little snack. Now, you've got your strawberry Jello, you've got your blueberry Jello. You've got your green jello. It's not, it's not any flavor. It's just green flavored. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. 
But it's all, it could be, I don't know. It tastes, it tastes funky to me. But it's all jello, right? Well, that's, that's kind of what this is. See, we're talking about spiritual things. They're just the things of the spirit. And they all have a little bit different flavor to them. But they're all the same thing. They're all endowments of God's power. And again, we just separate them for explanation and, and definition. But that's all they are. They're just endowments of God's power. The, the uh, other places where the word gifts is found in here is actually the word charisma. And charisma in the Greek literally means pretty much an endowment. It is spiritual, spiritual faculty that is endowed. So when it's talking about spiritual gifts, it's just an, an endowment from God. Now, let's go back to faith here. The gift of faith, or as I like to call it special faith, um, a lot of different ministers I know call it that, um, it's called special faith. Um, the Amplified Classic um, says wonder-working faith. I like that. It's, this is a faith that is different than regular faith in degree and source. See, this faith, this, this faith is above our faith in degree that it's beyond our own faith and source in that it doesn't come from the hearing of the word. It doesn't come at all in any shape or form from us. Like the rest of the gifts, it comes directly from God. It is an endowment by his will when he wants it, when you need it. That's what special faith is. Amen? It's a sovereign act of God. And see, regular faith operates from man to God, right? That's how our belief works. Our, if we're believing to receive something, it goes our faith to God. But special faith or the gift of faith or wonder-working faith works from God to man. It's something that God gives you, gives somebody from him to them, from him to you, right? Now, it's also different from the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that the first night, I think, uh, just to cover it again. It's different from the fruit of the Spirit because the fruits of the Spirit are for character. They're the result of the renewed Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are for power. They, they, they are for an operation of something that God wants to do. So it's different from the, the, the regular faith, and it's different from the fruit of faith. All right? Now, Special faith is faith that is beyond what your capacity is, right? It is faith that is given in a moment maybe of, of severe crisis, of severe need. It is faith that is given when you're basically at the end of your rope and you, you can't in yourself just muster up more faith. It's faith that's given beyond that. It's like the, the superman of faith just drops into your heart. That's what special faith is, the gift of faith. Now, 
I will say this. We talked about, we separated them into the power gifts, the vocal gifts, and the revelation gifts. Am I correct in that? Now, faith, special faith, the gift of faith is generally considered the greatest of the power gifts because it accomplishes more than the other two individually. See, because the working of miracles, that's a really specific field. The gifts of healings, that's a really specific area. But the gift of faith can be for anything. The gift of faith is your, your broad spectrum can be used for anything. So it's generally considered the greatest of the power gifts. Now, it often works with the gift of, of healings or the gift of miracles to enact it. But it is not in itself the gift of healings or the gift of miracles. See, it kind of goes back to our jello. You, you see how the gift of healings, the gift of miracles, even the gift of faith, they're all really similar, you know? And it almost, it almost doesn't, almost, I said, it almost doesn't make sense to split them up like that. That's because they're all coming from the same spirit. It's all the same endowment of power. They just have their niches, their little different areas that that power does in that moment, right? So the gift of faith you'll often see work hand in hand with the gift of miracles, hand in hand with the gift of healings, because it's the same endowment. Now, the gift of faith, here's, here's where it differentiates. The gift of faith expects what the gifts of miracles and healings enact. The gift of faith is the expectation or the supernatural belief that the gift of, say, healings does. See, gift of faith expects something supernaturally beyond what you could possibly expect on your own, whereas the gift of healings is what actually does something. Or the gift of miracles, it actually does the thing that you're expecting in yourself. And again, they're similar. And I know how you could confuse them, but they're just a little bit different. It's not the same. Expectation versus the enactment. That's how it dis differentiates there. Now, that goes back to where the Amplified Classic says, wonder-working faith. It works wonders because it expects the wonders. So you can't work wonders without expecting it in the first place, unless it's just a straight-up sovereign act of God where he's like, okay, you're going to do this right now. You got to expect it. You got to expect it. That's what the gift of faith does. Now, special faith expects a miracle as a continuous and passive action. There's a, um, how do I put this? There's a, there's a continuation to it. There's a, a duration to it. See, the gift of, uh, say, miracles or healings, that's a, that's a one-time act. It's done. That was it. That was the gift. But the gift of faith has, has a duration to it. It has a, a length to it. A, you got to 
keep at it, in other words. Once you have the gift of faith dropped in your heart, it's not just a one-and-done deal. The gift of faith has a continuation to it. I know it was Pastor Hagen, uh, the pastor of Rama Bible Church, uh, where I went to school. When they were believing for their plane, they needed a plane for their ministry to go to their uh, overseas locations, and they were really believing for a plane. What was it, back in the 90s, I think? Um, late 90s. I remember Miss Lynette telling the story of how they got that plane was really by the gift of faith, I, I, from the way she tells it. But when you get the gift of faith, and it's kind of enacted in your heart, you don't always get what you're expecting right off. And that's where the continuation comes into play. Now, they knew that they were going to get that plane without a doubt. They just knew it. And from a natural standpoint, they didn't have that money. Not at all. <laughs> and that, that plane was expensive. I mean, a, you know, a jet that can go overseas is not cheap. They, they did not have the money at the time, but that faith was dropped in them. And, and Miss Lynette said something along the lines of, um, God, you're not going to let us be late on a payment. So that had a continuation to it. They had to keep at that faith for a while. It was a few years before they got the plane, but they were never late on a payment because they expected it. They knew it in their hearts because faith was just plowed into them. So, whereas the other gifts are just one-and-done deals, nothing wrong with that, the gift of faith expects long-term if it has to. It's not always long-term. It could be very quickly, but if it, if it is long-term, sometimes it is. You know, it is what it is. But the gift of faith expects it, and it does not give up. Now, in the Bible, we see some general purposes for the gift of faith. Um, obviously, it's faith is a very, I like to think of a shotgun. It can, it's got a wide spread, you know. It can be used for almost anything. But, you know, I came up with a few biblical examples. Uh, for example, the patriarchs in the Old Testament um, received the gift of faith when they were uh, receiving blessings of fulfillment or utterances for their children. A lot of times when they were going to die, the patriarchs would speak over their children. And that's an example of the gift of faith. They would speak over them what was going to happen, and they would speak blessings over them. And by faith, they believed that. And again, we see the gift of faith in action when it's used for protection and peace in perilous times. And some good examples of that are Daniel in the lion's den. You know, it doesn't say when Daniel was dropped in the lion's den, he started freaking out and panicking. Go, oh, God, save me. No. He was calm. 
He was all right. He was good. He was like, I know I'm going to get through this. Now, the average person, you know, even just the strongest, most spiritually mature Christian in the world isn't going to just get dropped in a pit of angry lions and just be like, huh, well, what do you know? No, that was the gift of faith that was dropped in him where he just, he was convinced supernaturally that he was going to be okay. Another example is uh, Jesus sleeping during the storm out at sea. You know, in a little wooden boat like that, it's kind of hard to sleep during a raging storm. And how many of you know, Jesus received the gift of faith just like we did. He was a man just like we did, just like we are people. He received the gift of faith there. He was fine. Everybody else was freaking out and panicking. Jesus was fine. He was sleeping soundly. I wish I could sleep like that, to be honest. (laughs) And then again, Peter sleeping before his execution. They had captured Peter. They were going to execute him the next morning. What did he do? Sleep. He was all right. He wasn't up praying. He, He wasn't even up begging God to save him. What did he do? He lay down and went to sleep. It's like, I'm good. I'm going to be all right. That was a gift of faith that was operating. Normal people wouldn't do that. Normal people would be up all night. Father, in the name of Jesus, you will deliver. No, he didn't do that. He just, I'm good. I'm up. Oh, this rock's pretty comfortable. I'm going to lay down here. That was a gift of faith operating in Peter. He was okay in a circumstance where he shouldn't have been. That's one example. Another example, Elijah, when he was in the wilderness, being fed by ravens, he had to flee to the wilderness to escape death. And how many of you know, most people would have been kind of down in that situation. How many of you have faith, literally, that animals will bring you food? (laughs) That birds will fly down with what what was in their mouths, remind me? Some kind of bread, I think. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But how many of us, if we were driven out into the woods, would literally be like, all right, God, so you're going to bring some birds down here, and they're going to have food. They're, they're going to have ramen noodles in their mouth just for me, and that is definitely going to happen. No, we'd probably be a little more worried than that. But Elijah, he was fine. That was a gift of faith operating in a circumstance where he should have been a little more worried. And again, we have a couple of examples of raising the dead. Now, raising the dead is an interesting subject because oftentimes it does take a gift of faith to receive the dead back to life. A couple of examples. Um, One of my favorites is when Peter raised a woman named Tabitha from the dead. That's an axe. Um, But they came to Peter and said that Tabitha was sick. She's dying. You need to come here now and pray over her. And as he got to the house, some more people came out and said, I'm sorry, she's gone. She's dead. And Peter literally just said, no, she's not. And... I just imagine their faces. They came to tell Peter she's dead. He says, no, she's not. They were like, oh, 
Okay. That was Peter completely denying a fact that they were just up in the room, witnessed her die, came down and told him, he said, no, she's not. And that was the gift of faith operating. He knew supernaturally that she was not dead. In the natural, she was dead. She gone. Dead as a doornail. They were just up there with her. Probably were with her when she passed. They came down. She's dead. No, she's not. I just love that line. Just the Man, when the gift of faith comes on you, there's a little bit of boldness. And it's not, you know, arrogance. It's not, and it's even not any boldness that we can muster because the gifts of the Spirit are endowments from God. That's God's boldness. God's confidence. She's dead. No, she's not. Get out of, get out of the way. No, she's not. That was a gift of faith operating in Peter. Another one would be Jesus when he raised Lazarus. Now, you could argue, oh, well, he was Jesus. You know, he had magic and stuff. Again, Jesus was a man just like us. He operated in the gifts of the Spirit. He operated in the, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That was the gift of faith when he called Peter out of there. Uh, not Peter, sorry, Lazarus. When he called Lazarus out of there, that was a gift of faith operating in him. He didn't lay hands on him. He didn't even go near him. He didn't even go into the tomb. He stood at the door and said, Lazarus, come out. That was a divine expectation, a divine endowment of boldness, where he knew when he called, Lazarus was going to come out of that tomb. And that was a gift of faith operating. Another one that we see in the Bible is casting out evil spirits. Paul did that to the, um, let's see, Acts, in Acts 16. Let me make sure I got that reference right. Acts 16 through 18, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She, she followed Paul and Silas, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. Now, why didn't Paul just do that in the first place? Well, here we see two of the gifts of the spirit in manifestation. We see the discernment of the, the discerning of spirits for him to recognize, hey, wait a minute, this girl's possessed. And we know that's a gift, a gift of the Spirit because he didn't do that just the first day she walked up. So she did that for a good while. And then he realized he had that gift of the discerning of spirits dropped in him. And he was like, wait a minute. This girl's got a demon in her. And then the gift of faith enacted. In the name of Jesus, you will come out of her. The gift of faith operating in, in Paul. Now, 
Another one that we see really prevalent today is ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people. This is alluded to in Galatians 3.5. But I will say, um, it generally, just in, in my experience at least, it generally operates more with people who have that ministry in their lives that they're just they're just anointed to minister the holy the holy spirit to people. I have a friend back in Tulsa where he he's just that he's just that good at it. God has given him just an incredible anointing to where he can get someone filled with the spirit without barely even giving them any word. And usually, you know, it takes some word to get the holy spirit you got to know about it, at least a little bit. But this guy, he can just, I'm sure you've met ministers like this. When I lay my hands on you, you will receive the Holy Spirit. That happens a lot in my friend's life, in several ministers I've heard from. That's the gift of faith operating. Because you need that faith to enact that. It's incredible to watch. I've, I've seen him do it a couple of times. It's, it's really cool. Just when I lay my hands on you, you're going to receive the Spirit. That's that divine confidence that I was talking about, that divine expectation of when I lay my hands, you will. Not let's sit down, have a 30-minute discussion. Okay, here's the, this is what the Holy Spirit is. Here's how you receive it. No. When I lay my hands on you, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Some people just have that ministry. It's so cool. So cool. But um, those are just a few examples that I found in the Word. Like I said, it's a gift of faith. Faith is a very broad application. You can use it for anything. I, in fact, I'm about to give some examples. Now, I will say this. Faith, or sorry, special faith, what we're talking about, the gift of faith, is probably the hardest to recognize. If you're... If you're really, well, I guess I'll just, if you're really spiritual, <laughs> and I don't mean to sound nitpicky with it, but if you're really spiritual, it's it's easy to recognize because you know where you're at with your faith. But a lot of times it's hard to recognize because it's in the heart. You don't see it do something like the gift of miracles or the gift of healings. But it does happen, I think, personally, it happens more than more than people think. You know? Like, uh, well, I'll give an example that's kind of relevant now the, with this election. You know, a lot of people are freaking out about this election. A lot of people are just scared. And that's an entire sermon on itself, but Man, and I don't mean to brag, this is all God. But man, I'm I'm fine, man. The Lord has dropped in me a peace that passes all understanding. And I believe that He I believe that He deposited that in me so that I could minister it to other people. But anyway. That's the, the divine 
deposit of faith, deposit of belief that we're going to be okay. It's all right. I think that the Lord dropped that into my heart. I believe it's a gift of faith or an endowment of faith or whatever you want to call it. But I believe that it happens a lot more than people think. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy, crazy, spectacular stuff like I, like I talked about a few weeks ago. I think it happens every day. Person, that's my personal opinion. And praise God for that. Now, I told you I was going to give some examples. Some modern day examples anyway. I had a friend, I won't name names, but I had a friend who was... Let's see, how did he tell it? He was looking for a job in Tulsa. He went to Rama. He was looking for a job in Tulsa, and he was struggling to find one that fit his schedule and paid well enough to where he, would, he could survive. And he finally applied to somewhere in the mall, I think it was. And they called him back a week or so later and said, we're sorry, someone else got the job. And he, and he said, no, they didn't. And I'm sure it was just like Peter talking about Tabitha. I'm sure they were like, oh, okay. But you know what? He got the job. That other person did not. They, they went somewhere else. How does that sound... How would you have reacted? Somebody, sorry, they got the job. Man, Lord, help. I know another guy. He's a pastor. You know him too, I think. Um, their church was looking for a building. And they found this building... It was a, in a good location, big enough for what they needed. And they were making all these plans, putting, putting processes forward, moving forward with it. And they got a call. Somebody else has got the building. And you know what he said? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. That was a gift of faith operating. Because he knew, no, God, I know that building's ours. And I know they don't get it. Now, in the natural, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. What do you mean they didn't get the building? But that, and you know, that ties into regular faith. But that, that in that instance, was a gift of faith. Because that just dropped straight in his heart. And he knew, regardless of any fact, beyond what he could muster himself, beyond his own capacity, he knew that building's mine. My friend, he knew that job was his. Peter knew that Tabitha was going to rise from the dead. Jesus knew that he was going to be all right in that storm. This is the gift of faith dropped directly from God to you when you, when you need it. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's that's what I got.
That's really good. That's a good word, yeah? So, um, I was going to go on and talk about uh, gifts of healings tonight, but um, that was so good, I'm just going to wait for gifts of healing next week. Is that all right with you guys? So, we'll just stick with the uh, faith tonight, and um, I, I, I do have one thing I'll read, but I was thinking as Austin was talking... Um, about when we started Compass Church. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, when, when Matt Wicks came to us, you guys know this story, and he announced, he came to our house before he ever announced it, and he told us. And we didn't even freak out, really. Some people freaked out. But we were like, huh. Huh. Well... And then we didn't even really have to talk. I just looked at him. He looked at me, and it was a confirmation look. I don't know. It was a supernatural look. And we knew that um, our time had come to, to start the church, start this church. And I've even heard Keith say, Keith's not here, but I've heard him say before, man. I just don't know. Uh, Pastor Allen, Miss Michelle, they got, they got so much faith to just start the church, you know, out of nothing. And the truth is, is we never had a moment of, oh God, how are we going to do it? How are you going to do it? We don't, have, we don't even have a building. When Matt left our house, we knew. Am I right? We knew. We're going to start a church. And let's see, it's uh, December, whatever it was, 18th. Now, we're going to start it on the first week of January, the first Sunday in January. We never freaked out. It was just a, what he said, it was a, it was a drop in our spirit that this is what you do. And we said, this is what we're going to do. We went to Mindy and Stephen, we went to see you guys, and we said, I mean, we did say, what do you think? But it didn't really matter if you said, I uh, think it's a terrible idea, because we knew. We knew. And we, just, and we just stepped and we did it. And that gift of faith is, can be described like this. I will not be denied. It's a, I will not be denied level of faith. In other words, it you know it. Jesus didn't walk up to the tomb of Lazarus and say, well, I'm going to call him out. And now, you know, we'll see if he'll come out. I'm going to call him and I, I, we'll see if this works. No. He knew when he called him out that he was going to come out. Right? I will not be denied. A gift of faith is a moment when you know you will not be denied. What you're about to do or say or experience is not up in the air for debate. You're not doing it to see if it'll work. You know already it's going to work. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this little story right here. Austin talked about how the gift of faith is almost always connected to some action. A miracle, a healing, 
a planting of a church. Okay, I'm going to read you this little thing right here about uh, Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth said that oftentimes, if you will take a step of faith and use your general faith that you have as an individual Christian, when you come to the end of that faith, very often supernatural faith will take over or kick in. The reason it hasn't happened like this for a lot of folks is because they don't use first what they already have. So you wonder why you, you can't, you're not being used or God's not giving you a gift of faith. It's almost required of you to use the faith you already have and get to the end of that faith. You see what I mean? More than once, people were raised from the dead through Smith Wigglesworth's ministry. The first miracle of this kind happened when Brother Wigglesworth was still working as a plumber. He was just a plumber. He wasn't a supernatural, you know, world-renowned healing minister, whatever. He was a plumber. Okay? He came home from work one afternoon, and he learned that his neighbor, who had been sick, had just died. And so he began to pray. This is very important. He began to pray. While he, and as he prayed, as he prayed, his wife was shaking him, saying, Stop praying. She's already dead. It's too late. But that didn't stop him. He continued to pray. And soon, a point came in his praying when he came to the end of his faith. He was about, you know, that was the end of it. When he did, he was then conscious, conscious of a faith that took hold of him, and he knew that he absolutely could not be denied. And while he was praying in his own faith, when he was praying before in his own faith, he said it was almost seemed like God was saying no. But then as he pressed in and the gift of faith came over him, he looked right up into heaven and he said, yes, yes. And without really realizing what he was doing, the next thing he knew, he took hold of that woman, the dead woman, and he pulled her out of the bed and stood her up against a wall and commanded her to walk in Jesus' name. And she started breathing and walking again. And she was raised up. This was way beyond anybody's ordinary faith. In our ordinary faith, we could probably pull somebody out of the bed that was dead, like Smith did, and stand them up against a wall and tell them to walk. 
but don't believe that they're going to walk unless God's power supernaturally manifests to receive a miracle such as this. You see what happened was that Smith Wigglesworth was just a plumber and he, he knew his neighbor died and he began to pray. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week about prayer and the importance of prayer when you want to enter into a place of being used for spiritual manifestations. You got to start in prayer. All right? But he prayed and he was fervently praying in his own faith. But he got to the end of his faith at some point. He ran out of juice. He ran, he ran out of gung, gung, what do you call it? Gumption. And, and he started fading. And at that moment, the gift of faith was dropped in his spirit by the will of the Holy Spirit. And he received a I cannot be denied moment of revelation that spoke to him, go yank a dead woman up out of the bed and slam her against the wall and tell her to walk. Okay, if he had tried to do that, and, and here's the thing, other ministers have tried to do that over the years and a dead body just fell to the ground because they tried to replicate something in the natural that wasn't natural. You understand? When you get a spirit of a, a gift of faith, it's unique to the situation you're in or the expectation you have or the need that you have. It's unique. And you can't replicate it. It's why you see some ministers, you know, you've, I've seen a minister punch somebody in the gut and they get healed of some cancer in there somewhere. But then you see another minister punch people in the gut trying to replicate that and they get sued because you punch somebody in the gut. You better know that you've received a, a gift of faith to know what to do in a moment and you will not be denied. All right? That's why, you know, I've seen... How, how many of you have heard of Benny Hinn? And Benny Hinn will like blow on someone and they'll be healed of some major disease. That's kind of his, his M.O., sort of. But if I were to blow on Miriam just as an act of my own faith, she's got a mask on, I, that, that would not be a manifestation of a, a spirit or a gift of faith. That, that's just me in the natural, in my flesh, trying to replicate something I saw somebody else do. Amen? So that gift of faith is unique. And, it, and it, it, it comes in your spirit and it tells you what you should do in a moment. And when it does, when it does tell you, you absolutely know it's going to happen. You cannot be denied. You got it? That's good. Amen? Amen. All right.